As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at discounttire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. An underactive body creates an overactive mind. And I just, I can't stress this enough that how much we have to physically uh, work things out with adversity. Like I have to get on a rower if I want to sleep well at night. I have to walk 10,000 steps a day if I would need to like get through seminary and listening to an audiobook. Like, it doesn't mean that every single day you're going to have this perfect formula of how you move your body, mm-hmm. but just some level of movement, 10 to 15 minutes a day that's pushing your heart rate up, that's releasing that serotonin naturally in your brain, which is that happy hormone. Mm -hmm. It gives you that sense of positivity and goodwill to keep going. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Welcome to She. Hey, girl. So happy to be with you. Yeah, so happy to have you. How are you? Like, I mean, you just wrote another book, which is amazing. Let us just like start there. I think that would be good. Let's talk about this concept of resilience and why you decided to to write on this. I think it's so timely and so important. Well, I wrote on it because of 2020. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I just think, I mean, that, that was a catalyst. In fact, it was probably about four weeks into lockdown that I was like, I need to write this for our kids because I just don't think our generation coming after us is ready for what, yeah. what they're embarking on it. But then the, the more I studied and researched and I knew that I needed it too. Mm-hmm. And as things drug out, I think we all need it, you know, and yeah. it was really more about how do we grow resilience? Yeah. Why is everybody struggling so bad in this particular moment when when in past war times I started studying like histories of war and, mm. and civilization and they would actually grow in their mental health. But COVID was the opposite. And so I tried to research why, what was happening in our brains, yeah. and then what do we need to do differently and how do we raise resilient kids? Yeah, that's so good. I love that. Okay, so we hear this word resilience a lot. And I think maybe we have this idea of what it means or we think we know what it means, but I'd love if we can just stop there for a second and talk about what is resilience and what is it not? Yeah. Okay. Well, resilience, you know, there's two definitions really that began in the 1600s. The Latin word resilie means to recoil or rebound, which is why people get this popular term of bouncing back. The problem with that is that it implies that trauma is recovered from, and it's very simple and quick. That Mm -hmm. transformation is simple and quick, and it's just not the case. Mm -hmm. And that you could just be tested, right? You could be tossed and retrieved and tossed and retrieved without becoming cracked or deflated, but it's just not true. Mm -hmm. And so I really want to speak to the truth of it, which really is more the second definition that was added in the 1800s that was more about resuming the original position after a season of compression. Mm. 
or bending or being bent low, bending low. Um, This idea of a holy resilience is more that we encounter trial or adversity and sometimes without an end date. I mean, you know this, you know, obviously through your journey into motherhood, it's like, the punches keep coming or, or at least the, the grief is longer yeah, than, um, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so all of a sudden we feel some level of shame that we're still grieving or we're still mm-hmm. struggling. And when actually what you're feeling is a very appropriate response to loss. It's not pathological. You know, we don't have to make everything clinical. It's actually being human. And when we can start to embrace our finitude as like God's creatures, but not these invincible robots that don't, don't have hearts or souls or minds or bodies that wear out, then all of a sudden we can revisit resilience with some reality. And then all of a sudden we're going, okay, we are stronger than we think, but we're not machines that are always on. We actually are capable of so much more than a machine, right? Like we can feel deeply and we can love unconditionally and we can work and leave a part of ourselves in the work that we do because we care so much. So it's, it's almost like uh, getting back to the heart level of like what makes us come alive, what gives us the drive to keep going, what is our belief and, and all of that. So I had to study how centuries long before mental health professionals or clinicians, how did centuries, four centuries, how did civilization respond after trauma? Yeah. So, and so, yeah. So I found four, four main ways that civilization always responds. The first is through tethered to clan or tribe, some form of community. Uh And it's usually back in the day, it was like extended family that all lived together, or even it would be a tribe and, you know, a third world area, right. Where you just like, you were tethered to one another. Mm -hmm. You had to be. And so you, you, you definitely felt steeped in um, connection and belonging. And that really is very healthy for the brain and the heart, obviously, to become someone who belongs and is known. Mm-hmm. The second thing would be um, regulating rhythms. And I read a ton about this in Rhythms of Renewal, but I get more in specific as to how that grows and repairs injured neurons in the brain in the Resilient book, because the only way you train or grow resilience in our bodies, physically and mentally, or, or in our kids is through activating that stress response in a normal, repetitive, controllable way. So you want to do something just a little bit outside of your comfort zone every single day. Mm-hmm. That might be like talking to a stranger or initiating conversation with someone or taking a test or competing in athletics or going to the gym and doing a new class or you want it. The brain needs novelty. Mm-hmm. So you need to do something every single day. Mm-hmm. That will activate that stress response, but not so much that it traumatizes, just mm-hmm. enough to push you. So kids go into a new school every year, new teachers, new classroom, new curriculum, new sports teams. So we raise resilient kids when they have to encounter newness mm-hmm. often. And then the brain will start to learn how to how to adapt to those things that actually grow you, right? Because you're being pushed if you go compete or perform on a stage or do a public a speech in your class or whatever. Those are all healthy and good things that grow resilience. We don't run home and stay home when things are hard. We actually have to stand in those places with support of loved ones around cheering us on so that we can continue to do the things that feel hard because eventually they won't be so hard. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That is so fascinating. 
Yeah. And so the third, the third and fourth, so that's the second one, regulating rhythms is third, third one real quick. I'll, I won't yep. summarize, no, but it, it's, it's belief. It's just mm-hmm. belief. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you've got a very large agnostic society, we believe all our strength comes from ourselves and mm-hmm. it's just not true. Like if you can't access something beyond yourself, that's greater than you, then you're playing God. And unfortunately, <laughs> you know, your body and your brain can't sustain that. Mm-hmm. It's just, you weren't, you weren't made to be your own savior. And so belief is a big piece. And then the last one was medicinal herbs, some form of even they would say like natural hallucinogens or something that help people through trauma. But I think what we've done in 23 in this year, in this era, is we've reversed all those things in order. If we have a panic attack or an anxiety attack or we feel overwhelmed, we jump immediately to medication so that we can temper the symptom. But we never actually take a look at how our what do we believe in? Are we moving our body? Are we pushing ourselves in places with support around us? And do we, are we tethered? No, we're sedentary on nine hours a day on a phone, isolated, away from community and not moving. And so as a result, we're not getting the traction that we really want Mm -hmm. to grow in resilience. Yeah. Wow. We've gotten like so far away from just the way you kind of said we were doing it backwards. It's so true. And there's so many areas and ways in our life. I think we've gotten so far away from how we're really meant to live and the things that are, that help us thrive. But specifically Mm -hmm. in this area, it's like, oh my gosh. And, And I love the idea or like the the suggestion to do these, like the thing about the brain loving novelty and, and putting yourself in like slightly uncomfortable or new situations regularly and helping your children do that. It just, it seems so simple, but it's something we wouldn't think about. Cause like you said, we kind of only associate resilience with, oh, you had this really traumatic hard thing happen and now you have to bounce back from it versus like training your mind and your brain mm-hmm. to be able to navigate discomfort and challenge and things that are maybe not as familiar so that yeah. you know you're more prepared. I love that. That's so good. And it's really just fascinating the way you looked back at how people before all I mean we have so it's so fascinating to me that we have so many resources for mental health now, especially like even digitally and yet we're struggling the most or struggling so much. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I love that you kind of were like okay, how do people do this before we had all this, you know, before mm-hmm. our current culture. So yeah, it's so good. Okay, so I know that in your book you walk through five rules of resilience to thrive in different times. Can you give a brief overview of the five? Yeah. So the first one is name the pain and then I'll summarize a little, but first I'll just list them. The first one is name the pain. The second rule is shift the narrative. Third is embrace adversity. The fourth is make meaning mm-hmm. and the fifth is endure together. Mm-hmm. And so I, I set these up as a framework because uh, I think it's just easier to, it's a narrative arc of like, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't actually embrace adversity until you've named the pain that keeps you from, it keeps you running from adversity, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? We always want to avoid pain, but meanwhile, in the embrace adversity section, I talk about turning toward it because mm-hmm. if you avoid fear, it just grows. And so they go in order for a reason, but I also want to, when we talk about resilience, it's on a continuum in our lives, right? You're not born. It's not like you were born with more resilience than I was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're all born with this like neutral asset of developing strength and hope and meaning some level of confidence throughout the entirety of our lives. And we are only as resilient today as how we've applied these rules in the last few months. Mm -hmm. You might look back to your college or maybe in high school, you were on an athletic team or you were in National Honor Society, or maybe you you homeschooled or you rode horses, whatever, whatever. The point is when you're in a season of your life where you're 
honestly honest about how you're, you are on a heart level, where you're inviting people in, where you're tethered to people, where you're pushing yourself in areas that are uncomfortable, that's when your resilience is growing. So it can get stagnant. Like I always tell people, beware of complacency. This is not like a self-help, push yourself all the time, drive hard. No, but it's do these things in a rhythmic way that if you if you live in this way of complacency too long, your resilience will wane. And then all of a sudden something hard might happen and you're flatlined, whereas for somebody else who might have to embrace adversity every single day, it's just another resilience building activity. But it's the same exact thing that happened to me or that person. It just impacts me differently because I haven't been stretched for the last six months. Does that make sense? Yeah. So mo- I think motherhood's a great example of this or some form of pouring out constantly. <laughs> you know, like you're growing in resilience whether or not you realize it. And as a mom now, 22 years, two kids with special needs every single day. I mean, you don't have to manufacture adversity. Yeah. It's just, it's yeah. there. <laughs> but for some people who might have kind of built this insulated life that's pretty convenient for them and they don't have to actually do anything they don't want to do. They're the ones that actually are the most fragile versus like someone who might make a lower income, but who's having to figure things out and hustle a little bit or do all the jobs or not always have someone they can call that helps with the kids. I think it's really important that as parents or employers, that we are doing some of the things that we are asking people to do for us. Mm. Because if we lose sight of that or we get too, you know, above that, quote unquote, we are the ones who are flailing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so resilience, your your skill of resilience, the height of your resilience has nothing to do with your income. Mm. It has everything to do with your willingness to roll up your sleeves and do something that you don't really want to do. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally makes sense. Yes. So naming the pain is the first rule, and it's just about understanding how shame makes us hide from hard things, run from hard things. And uh, maybe you, someone told you you were terrible at something, or you feel like you just can't get it right, even when you have tried. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, I talk about shame there because shame makes us hide. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really let us live into the life that we were meant to live, or it doesn't doesn't allow us to develop the muscles that need to be developed. Mm -hmm. Because we've already kind of told ourselves that we're not good enough, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And so it's rewiring that first with community and trusted friends so that you can then go to the second rule, which is shifting the narrative and then going, okay, God, what do you say about this? Mm-hmm. And what is my people? What do they tell me about this? And how can I know what's really true? Mm-hmm. And how do I stop intrusive thoughts when they come? And how do I retrain my brain when I want to speak death over myself because I've been doing it for a decade? Mm-hmm. How do I restore that belief? All of those things come once we've named the pain, got it out of our bodies so that it's not just keeping us stagnant and now invited other people to collaborate with us Mm -hmm. as we find that freedom and that truth. Mm -hmm. So good. So good. And then the third rule of embrace adversity really comes next because once you feel like, okay, I've gotten all those secret things out. I'm not harboring some level of bitterness or resentment towards myself or towards others, mm-hmm. or I'm not, I'm not playing victim anymore. I, I feel more confident because I'm not alone in this. I've invited people in and I've shifted how I see this. So now I'm going to try it. So some people have written in like different stories of how they've embraced adversity. And mm-hmm. one girl was like, I stepped foot on the stage finally, mm-hmm. after I had like a really bad season of 
just never was going to do that again because I had a really crash and burn moment. Sometimes people have like, they peak early in life, you know, and then all of a sudden things shift and you don't see it coming. And all of a sudden you lose your identity because it was so attached to your, your work became your work. And so I think embracing something again with the courage of going, okay, this is really more about how is this helping today? And when we, when we start to realize we have built a life where we're comfortable and we're not risking, then we're, we are slowly dying. We, we just, we're not made to sit sedentary. We're made to tend, cultivate, to create. And so that embracing adversity for me meant like I, I had panic attacks on airplanes that were debilitating, you know, heart rate, acute panic attack, 160s to 180s, body being responding as, as if being held at gunpoint. And then the Lord meets me in that place of pain and gives me peace. And I start this very slow and long healing journey. Mm -hmm. And then God puts me on a plane (laughs) Mm. two and and three and four times a week to talk about resilience. And so no longer is getting on a plane, obviously traumatic. Mm -hmm. It's a resilience building exercise. Mm. And it doesn't mean I'm immune from panic. There was, I tell a story of how I had a panic attack just a couple of years ago, coming home from an event because it was triggered by the same exact circumstance that triggered my first panic attack 12 years ago mm-hmm. on a plane. But I couldn't escape. I had nowhere to go. We were stuck. And, and so I had to sit in it and I had to let it roll through my body. Mm-hmm. And what I learned that day is that I, did, I couldn't run. And it, the whole thing, the whole episode was over in about five minutes. Mm-hmm. And most acute panic attacks are done within five to eight minutes. Mm-hmm. But we won't let it get that far. We like, we run and we, mm-hmm. we find relief. But what I did is I told my, my brain, like, uh, we're here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, and I invite Jesus into that. Like, I, I see him as my source of peace. So I just kind of whisper his name or do a prayer during that time and just let it just ravage my body. And then when it's done... Mm-hmm. I still had to sit there for 45 more minutes and I was fine. Mm -hmm. And what it taught me that day is like, I'm really glad it happened like that because now I'm just not intimidated. If I'm stuck in a spot that I can't escape from Mm -hmm. and I start to have a panic attack, I don't need to pop a Xanax. I don't, I don't, I I can let it roll through my body. I can pray through it. Mm -hmm. And, and then what you're doing is you're retraining the brain Mm -hmm. at that point. To go like, you're going to be okay. And the more times you conquer it and you kick it and you kind of like let down after that adrenaline rush is done, Mm -hmm. you're like, we're good. We did it. I still cry at the end Mm -hmm. because it's so traumatic. But I also am like, I feel really brave too. And and there's something about not being dependent on something Mm -hmm. to help me from feeling that, that unease of that going through me. Mm-hmm. So that I can go every time this is going to get a little easier. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me, thanks for sharing that story. And it's totally a different circumstance. But you, when you mentioned the um, story of someone who said like they stepped on the stage after something you know traumatic or, or hard happened, it reminds me yeah. of a story I often tell just about how when I was kind of a beginner at public speaking, one of my biggest fears, the thing that felt like, felt like the biggest adversity in you know, a mountain, if you will, was the possibility of embarrassment of having a crash and burn moment on stage, you know, embarrassing myself, mm-hmm. doing something wrong. And I remember I was, you know, that actually happened at an event. And, mm-hmm. and it was one of those like, oh, my gosh, I want to crawl into a hole and like live there for the rest of my life, you know, kind yeah. of experiences. And 
It was interesting, though, because after that all happened, I had a young girl who was in the crowd and paying attention, you know, there for the for the event. She came up to me afterwards and she was like, thank you for being awkward. And I remember being like, what are you? What? That's such a weird compliment. And she was like, yeah, it makes you more human. She's like 15 years old and has this wisdom. Right. But it just like really struck me. And then it kind of hit me like, oh, maybe that isn't the worst thing in the world. And the, the moral of that story, obviously, that's very specific to that circumstance. But it just goes right along with what you're saying, because after that you know, it was almost like I had kind of hit the bottom in the sense that I, the very thing I was afraid of happened and I had to like walk through it and like recover and just make the most of it. But I wasn't mm-hmm. so afraid of it happening the next time or in the future. Like suddenly right. public speaking didn't seem so terrifying because I was like, well, right. the thing I was most afraid of happened and I survived it, you know, and it wasn't yeah. fun, but like I can handle it now. Like I I had a little bit more confidence right. for the next time. And in a slightly different way, obviously it can be, you know, in various different situations. And that wasn't necessarily like traumatic, but it was adversity. It was the thing I didn't want to have to experience that I did experience. But, you know, like you said, this, it's almost training your brain when you're like, oh, I survived the thing that I've been so avoidant of and afraid of. It does kind of create this, okay, I can handle this even though it sucks, you know? Have you been wanting to make the switch to cleaner living and clean beauty, but feeling really overwhelmed on where to start and how to sift through all the different options out there? Friend, I get it. I have been there. When I first started my clean living journey, I was so overwhelmed and I was having such a hard time in one area in particular. I was having a really hard time finding beauty products that were clean, safe, toxin-free, but also really worked because the tricky part was I wanted to use clean products, but every time I would try clean makeup or clean shampoo or clean skincare, it just seemed like they didn't work as well as my old toxic favorites. And I found myself always wanting to go back to the more conventional stuff because it actually worked. My makeup stayed all day. My skincare was working well. So I was having a really hard time in this area until I discovered Crunchy. Crunchy is a high-performing, clean beauty brand that honestly performs just as well, if not better, than my old toxic favorites. Not only that, but they are eco-friendly, they're plastic positive, which means they take more plastic out of the environment than they put in, and they're also Leaping Bunny certified and cruelty-free as well as vegan. So if you've been looking for a clean option for makeup and skincare, for clean beauty, but you just need something that works well and that doesn't harm the environment and that doesn't harm animals... Crunchy is the place to be. I highly recommend starting with the primer and foundation when it comes to makeup or the cleansing bar and the Clarolite when it comes to the skincare. And if you use my link, you can get $10 off your first order. So just go to crunchy.com slash Jordan Dooley and the $10 off will apply on the last page of checkout to your first order. Or you can just tap the link in the show notes on this episode to shop with that link and get the $10 off applied to your first order. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. 
One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, a luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. <laughs> Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. I'm what you might call very good at hide and seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite- Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for- one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. And what you brought was just being real and human and people actually really connect with that. Mm-hmm. I have found that with public speaking too. Like mm-hmm. I'll sometimes say something comes out so dumb and I'm like, oh, yep. I just said that out loud. I said, you guys are really dealing with a professional up here. And like everyone laughs. We all laugh at ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes a more just fun. Like I've enjoyed public speaking probably in this last couple of years more than ever in the last 13 years because mm-hmm. it's just like if I can't kind of come as I am mm-hmm. on stage in the same way I am off stage then it, it, there is this stress gap for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, obviously come prepared, know your content, but know that the delivery is really about connection ultimately. Mm-hmm. And if they feel like you could be a friend in real life, they're interested because you're speaking real things that happen to real people on any normal day, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which helps as you know, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. No, I love that you shared that. I think a lot of people think public speaking, it is one of the top rated most terrifying experiences mm-hmm. for people. Well, you just literally um, feel like you're like just naked. You just feel like you're like so vulnerable, you know? And it's like, oh, yeah. And I think, especially when you haven't kind of gotten 
when that's so unfamiliar because you're used to being able to, you know, to not be just like on display in that way. It is scary, yeah. you know, but yeah, like you said, the more sure. human you can make it. Yeah. The more like yeah. enjoyable it is for sure. Yeah, for sure. The sooner I started laughing at myself, I was like, okay. (laughs) And then I now do that even more as a mom, Mm -hmm. which is fun because my kids were like, mom, you are such a goofball. And I'm like, you know what? I actually am happy about this Mm -hmm. because I used to be such a stress ball with you guys. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And maybe I'm just getting old and I just want the energy to be perfect, but it definitely just feels like it kind of helps everything chill out yeah. a little bit, especially yeah. for someone whose temperament might be a little more intense, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> like mine. Like my, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the last two rules real quick is make meaning and endure together. And I just want to speak to the embrace adversity. One last thing I, I didn't say earlier mm-hmm. is that an underactive body creates an overactive mind. Mm-hmm. And I just, I can't stress this enough that how much we have to physically uh, work things out with adversity. Like I have to get on a rower if I want to sleep well at night. I have to walk 10,000 steps a day if I would need to like get through seminary or listening to an audiobook. It doesn't mean that every single day you're going to have this perfect formula of how you move your body, but mm-hmm. just some level of movement 10 to 15 minutes a day that's pushing your heart rate up, that's releasing that serotonin naturally in your brain, which is that happy hormone. Mm-hmm. It gives you that sense of positivity and goodwill to keep going. Yeah. And so the more you do those things, it becomes more contagious because you feel good and you can go longer and you're living more. Mm-hmm. You're living the things you really care about, yeah. whether it's writing, teaching, mothering, working, whatever your profession looks like. And then that's where the meaning comes in, right? Where you use those hard things to actually grow you in such a way that you find work that's really meaningful, right? Loving people well, serving, leading a part of yourself in the work that you feel really called to, mm-hmm. and even being brave in suffering, right? Encountering beauty, like just Embracing all of life, I think is how we make meaning. And then that final one, endure, endure together is truly about just this bottom line that we cannot do this alone. Yeah. We cannot build a resilient life alone. Yeah. And so I, I'll have you or other people that, that you don't even know how you speak into my life. Just when I encounter you online or I encounter your words on social media, there's this kind of, there's sisterhood of kinship of going like, we're all putting our best foot forward, not because we're striving or competing, but because we're really inspired. I'm inspired by, by, by your resilience mm. and it makes me want to grow in my own as well. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. Thanks for outlining that so clearly. And this kind of arc, like you mentioned, I think is so helpful to think through and to kind of have almost in our back pocket as like a a tool to come back to when we really need to thrive in difficult circumstances and difficult, difficult times, like, you know, and, and being able to walk ourselves through that and, and take it one step at a time, it really simplifies it and makes it feel a little less overwhelming. Cause I think sometimes when we go through hard things or there's adversity that we're facing or potentially facing, we like freeze. It's like the flight or fight or flight, you know, and having a little bit of a guideline on like, okay, how do I, build resilience through this. Cause that is something we all yeah. want to do. And what are the practical steps I can take and how can I do those in a really mm-hmm. effective way? I think ordering it in this way makes it so much more doable. So I really appreciate the way that you've not only like really tried to research and put this together in a way that makes sense, but also explained it really clearly. It, it feels like way more digestible um, and doable to, yeah. you know, when you're in that yeah. difficult time. So, and it's memorable. Yeah. It's pretty easy. It's so just for those who are listening, let's go back through them. So the first rule is name the pain. The second is shift mm-hmm. the narrative. The third is embrace adversity, which was, you gave some great examples for that. 
And then the fourth is make meaning and find, I know you wrote about this too, so I want to come back to this really quick, but and then the fourth or the fifth is endure together. So that's kind of the arc of the rules of mm-hmm. resilience to walk through. I know in the fourth rule, you write that beauty is the antidote, antidote to scarcity. Can we just talk about what that means and how beauty increases our yeah. resilience and how we can engage in more beauty? Yeah. So beauty for me was we moved out of town about like we live in Franklin, Tennessee, but we live about 10 to 12, 15 minutes from downtown Franklin. So we're on a little bit of land that we bought, you know, before everyone decided to move to Tennessee. But what it forced it was some gardening and um, hiking. And apparently now I'm like making sauces from <laughs> 2000 cherry tomatoes this summer or doing sourdough or we have chickens. And I used to live in the city, so I don't even know who I am anymore. But the point is, I started noticing so much beauty in nature and just the slowing of just like a sunset, right? Like if you walk at dusk, Mm -hmm. a sunset emits red light, which is natural melatonin for your body. And I, I fought against it the first couple of years because I was like, I like the adrenaline. I'm like an adrenaline junkie. I loved New York city where we lived prior I loved just all the new novelty because that's really good for your brain too. Mm-hmm. But then I found that I would never felt comfortable to let down mm-hmm. or just be that mm-hmm. there had to have some level of movement attached mm-hmm. to it. So it was almost the far extreme. Any extreme is not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this was a very slowing extreme, but I found over the last five years that we've lived there, there's a beauty everywhere, whether it's the birds waking in the morning or the crackle of the fire um, we're not, we, you know, cut down trees, have real wood or growing tomatoes or harvesting what, you know, whatever flowers or chickens. And it doesn't mean you need to do all those things, but find a thing that like lets you work with your hands mm-hmm. and cultivate something, mm-hmm. something that's like pleasing to the eyes or to the tastes or the sense, the smell. Mm-hmm. There's something about, especially if your work is very much on a screen or it requires a lot of travel, or even if it's just, you're just always literally looking at your typing or your reading, like do something tactile. uh, That to me was so meaningful. Like I started to kind of just really love being off, you know, when I say off, I was like loving that I could take a tech detox and was not happy to reenter. I just was like... The rhythm of making the sourdough every few days is like, it's not even that hard. It's just that it takes time. You have to prepare it and then you go away for 12 hours and go to bed. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's just something about that. I just think it's very grounding in a, in a digital age where we're so tempted to consume instead of create Yeah, and, and meaning making is, I use the word make meaning, Mm -hmm. meaning like go, go make something Mm -hmm. that that is some level of putting yourself into it, like your creative art or expression or your preference contribute to something that you maybe give to someone else that nourishes them, whether it's a meal or it blesses them if it's a note or a handwritten card or, but, but if there's a meaning attached to something that requires some level of time and energy, creativity and sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that have really honestly been the most joyful part of this last season Mm -hmm. it's not it's not like the book launch day Mm -hmm. it's not like getting on a plane it's going like who wants to come over I just put charcuterie together come in your pjs I also made this little crisp or I have this I have a word that God gave me for you this morning when I was journaling like I'd love to share it it's just those hidden 
create creative, beautiful spaces that, that we flourish in. Mm -hmm. And if, if we make time for those things, Mm -hmm. then it auto corrects how much overemphasis we put on the output, right? Mm -hmm. The performing, the, the public display, and it keeps us, our hearts really grounded and safe. I feel healthier mentally than I have in the first decade of talking about mental health. Mm -hmm. Since I came home Mm -hmm. and I slowed down Mm -hmm. and I got on my kids level and just really like loved the the peace that finally followed. I had fought against it, but when it started to come after that, I was like, oh, I don't want to return to that girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that so much. I think there's such a like, I don't know if even, I think so many of us are like, how do I get back to nature, you know? Um, And how do I Mm -hmm. get back to a simpler way of living? Because we are just inundated at all times, like you mentioned with tech, but also just through that, we are constantly overstimulated, you know, and there's just constantly mm-hmm. something else to be doing. And so, yeah, I mean, my husband and I had land for a couple of years and we had, sorry if you hear a child in the background. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear yeah, that. I love it. Um, I love it's it. It's like such joy. And I'm also like, what's happening? Um, but no, I mean, we had chickens for a while. We like, you know, really embraced that life. And then we had to downsize a little bit, but, or not downsize, but like shift our lifestyle only because the home on that property was. Mm-hmm. more of a bunny pit and, you know, just had a lot oh, of things I that needed you. to be taken care of that we were like, we're in a season yeah. of like struggling to have a family. There's so many other bigger priorities. So we shifted a little bit in that, but that's like the goal to get back to, because it truly like, that's when I started gardening. That's when, you know, it was so healing for us to like have, you mm-hmm. know, that space to just like go and sit outside mm-hmm. and sit under the tree mm-hmm. or attend to a garden or feed the chickens. And there mm-hmm. is something, you know, just so healing about getting away mm-hmm. from all of the, all of the stimulation and, and back to mm-hmm. beauty, you know, truly. So yeah, yeah. I'm thankful for the, for the example of that. And and I think anybody, even if you don't have land and chickens, like you can do this, you know, yeah. I think we can both say this, like now I live in a suburb right now and we've just had to find creative ways to do it, whether that's getting out for a walk, whether yeah. that's taking a Sunday off devices, whether that's, you know, my husband playing out his guitar and playing worship music for us, you know, all before bedtime, yeah. or whatever it looks like. It's just like, allowing yourself to be re-inspired and like present and soaking up yeah. like, life around you. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely this is not a, like an advocate, <laughs> a commercial for land. Cause trust me, like, <laughs> I'm, I don't know that I recommend that <laughs> over just going what in your home mm-hmm. is like a space where you don't want to leave, mm-hmm. cultivate a flourishing space that everyone feels safe. They feel seen. It's conversational. It's not like you're a spectator at its screen. You just order, you can even order your rooms around how to live this restful, like replenishing rhythm. Mm -hmm. And so we have like games, board games under our coffee table. We don't have a TV in our living room. We Mm -hmm. put one upstairs if somebody really wants to watch a family night. But Mm -hmm. in general, like we try to make some of the main spaces be where it's more connection or maybe a front porch or a back porch. You could go in the morning or the evening. Uh, Just get movement at sunrise or sunset anytime around those hours, twilight, you know, that that golden hour. I promise you, oh my goodness, that will refuel your your mind before you go to bed so you'll have a more restful sleep Mm -hmm. so that you will then wake in the morning with a more, a desire to kind of get out a little quiet with the Lord or however you do your morning routine Mm -hmm. before you start your day. And just those two changes outdoors at dusk Mm -hmm. outdoors, when the sun is coming up, Mm -hmm. I I promise you that will like ground you in nature in ways that that doesn't require land. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So good. I love that. Okay. 
I feel like I could ask a thousand more questions, but this has been so good. Can you just, as we wrap up, I, I think for anybody listening, I really highly recommend grabbing Rebecca's book um, and digging into this more if this is something that just is speaking to your heart. So can you just tell us where we can learn more from you and where we can buy um, and order your book, Building a Resilient Life? Yeah. Uh, so you could just go to RebeccaLyons.com and that's R-E-B-E-K-A-H-L-Y-O-N-S. And com And we just came out with a resilient life journal and planner. So it's a guide to go through those five rules. And so the book is about learning and the guide is about living. And I think often we read, we read books and we're like, that's great content. And then we put it on the shelf and read a new book. Mm -hmm. And all my work is about application. (laughs) It doesn't really change you. If you read it, it changes you when you start to live it. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people like it, that's how it worked for me. Like I could talk about things, but if I wasn't doing them, it was like just theory and mental health is not theory. It's a practice. Mm-hmm. And so this um, journal and planner will walk you through like a whole month on each one, whether it's name the pain, shift the narrative, embrace adversity, make meaning or endure together. So this idea of living into this thing is once you've done this for five months, which this will walk you through a lot of guided prompts, reflection, like a little practices you can try then you'll find you're, you're just a different person mm. and people will notice and be like, you seem like you have strength, you have courage and you're risking more and you're, you're trying new things and you seem more joyful because your brain needs like that kind of growth. And it, all of a sudden people are like, I don't know how you're doing it all. And you're like, I'm not doing it all. I'm actually just very thoughtful on what I'm saying yes to. Mm. That is actually building something in me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. Awesome. Rebecca, thanks for being here. Thanks for all the wisdom you've poured into this book that you've poured into us just here in the last 30 minutes or so. And um, we just really appreciate you. I just walk away feeling so encouraged every time I chat with you. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you, girl. And just cheers to you. Keep doing what you're doing. It's blessing a lot of people and making a big difference. Thanks for always being honest, naming that pain, but also shifting the narrative so that you're not stuck there. Like you always bring a redemptive song to everything that you share. And I think it's really encouraging for a lot of people who've walked through the same thing. So I love you. Grateful for you. Thanks again for having me on. Yes, of course. Likewise. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley And tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content. And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less.
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. <laughs> 